comparing people in the U.S. to people who are in South Africa, like, from my experience in both places, like South Africa, I didn't experience any racism or people just assuming that one thing had to be one way because of what color you had been. Um, but here, it's like, I feel like people whine a lot more about things that don't really matter, and the, and the things that do matter, we try to make a joke out of it, and so we, and so people in the U.S., they always take things to the nth degree. Today we have a conversation from a unique perspective from a seventh grade young man named Nick who was born in South Africa, came to the United States at age seven. And today we're gonna hear his perspective, a middle schooler, about students and race. I'm Jeff Eckert. I'm Jason Brewer. And this is The Thought Factory. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, cultivating students through biblical discipleship and spiritual disciplines using theology, community, and technology. Learn more at neverthesame.org. Glad you're with us today on The Thought Factory. Jason, good to see you, my friend. Always good to see you. Always good to be in the uh, studio with you. Today is unique because we're going to do an interview with a student, and I don't think in all of our seasons past, we haven't done an interview with one student like this. We've heard from a lot of students, but one long-form interview, this is the first, isn't it? I believe so. We get a lot of interviews with students on the street and location, wherever we're at, we try to get some sort of interview thought from students, middle school, high school. This is the first time that we've had a student in our studio to be able to discuss what we're discussing today. So as always, we're glad you're with us. And if you did not get a chance to hear our previous episode called The Dream King, we did another thing pretty new on Press In for us. We we brought back an update from one of the most powerful episodes that we've had, one of my personal favorites. The original title was called A Dream Fulfilled. Now the name of the episode is called The Dream King. We re-released it to bring it back to our audience. And because it is a powerful story, it's a story on racial reconciliation and one that is just worth listening to again. So if you have an opportunity to listen to our previous episode, we highly recommend it. Next episode, we're getting into um, a multi-part, some multi-part episodes about students and time. We seem to have less of it, even though we have the same amount, 24 hours per day, last I checked. You are correct, sir. Okay, good. And But even so, the days in which we live, we just seem really busy, really stressed out. We're going to talk specifically about students and sleep. What's happening with them? Are they on their phones all night? We're going to hear from students about that. But we're also going to talk about a source that I believe really is, is wreaking havoc within families and students. And we're going to talk about some solutions, and that's on the next episode. So let's talk about our episode now that we're getting into. Yes. This will be interesting. So the first thing we want to say is that it was recorded during a storm. Well, the <laughs> right? storm hit, definitely hit while we were in mid-interview, and we didn't have any other opportunity to sit down and record with this student. So we just kind of decided, let it let it roll, and and you will hear when the storm hits, and then the intensity of the rain and our studio is not 100% soundproof, 
I would say about 5% soundproof. <laughs> we are, um, we've never really talked about our studio before, but we are upstairs in our building at Never the Same HQ in Grand Rapids, Michigan. We are on the second floor upstairs, and we're near, we're literally right now. We're about three feet away from a tin roof. I'm touching the ceiling <laughs> as I'm saying this, so. So any right next to any time that rain comes, we try to avoid it. We won't record on that day. We will uh, reschedule things. And yet yesterday, when we had this interview with Nick, he came into the studio. Everything looked great. It sounded fine. And then the storm surprisingly came up. And uh, <laughs> so it is what it is. It you'll, is. Hear, you'll hear some thunder. You'll hear some rain. That's okay. And. So Nick is in my small group of seventh grade guys, and we talk about how that came about, how I came to become his small group leader. But our group of students that that I lead with a friend uh, is unique because we've got seven or eight regulars we meet every Sunday morning. But um, most of these guys are people, they're students of color, and a couple of them are from different countries. Nick happens to be one of those students, it was, uh, we're, we referenced one of our other students named Ethan, who was a classmate, and Ethan's from Guatemala uh, originally, and Nick is from South Africa, as you'll hear, and, um, but it, it creates a unique environment in our small group, and we have a great time together, um, as you can imagine. Uh, even though these dudes are in seventh grade, we have some pretty uh, knockout conversations that are deep, and and some that are, you know, about things that you would expect seventh grade guys to be talking about, of right, course. Right. But um, but we have a great time in that group. And and as we were talking one Sunday here recently in our group, we were talking about praying for our schools. We were talking about Claim Your Campus. And if you are familiar with our ministry, you know that's something that is a part of who we are, students praying at their schools. But um, we were talking about things that they wanted to pray for. And Claim Your Campus, there's four prayer strategies, grace, peace, justice, mercy, and our discussion was centered around what do you think needs prayer the most? They chose, most of them chose the strategy of peace, which has to do with relationships at the school. And within that framework of relationships, one of the things that Claim Your Campus guides students to pray about is racial equality. That came to the forefront with Nick and Ethan. They go to the same school. It's a very ethnically diverse school. There's a lot of students from different countries, um, as well as students from the United States, a lot of refugee families in the community of our school. And uh, anyway, so that came up, and it was so interesting to me um, as we talked about racial equality in our group that uh, we had it set to do an episode on that. We had some other content. We decided to go in a different direction, Jason, you and me, and so we decided to bring Nick in and hear his perspective about race. And one of the things to point out is it's a middle school perspective. And so he says some things that are from a perspective of a middle schooler, but he also says some things that are profound as well. And the interesting aspect of this is not just us talking about your conversation as a small group leader with these middle school students, but actually have that conversation on the mic and record it so that it's more of a raw interview more of a raw conversation and just get his thoughts live yeah it was pretty unscripted i mean when i say pretty it was unscripted we i ask him questions 
and Jason and I were talking off air. Some of his comments, I would I would deem to be pretty politically incorrect. Things that that made me kind of um, cringe a little bit. But again, we wanted to play it because it's a seventh grader. It's his perspective at school, and we thought he brought a really unique angle on things because he was raised in South Africa until he's seven. He lived in a group home. He was adopted. He is dark-skinned, and he comes in the United States, and he's trying to decide where he fits in racially and ethnically, and that's part of our conversation today. All right, we are sitting here with this bright young man. Give us your name, sir. My name is Nick. What grade are you in? I'm in seventh grade. Okay, full-time? Full-time. Full-time student? Yeah, full-time student. And uh, how do you and I know each other? Uh, I know you because you're my youth leader at church. Okay. Part-time. Part-time. <laughs> All right. We've known each other, and I, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but last year when you were in sixth grade, your sixth grade small group leader yeah. kind of bummed out on us. Yeah, you remember he, that? Yeah, he's like left. He just like quit showing up. So one week it was like, all right, here's the sixth grade dudes. Yeah. And I looked over at you guys, and you looked so sad because you didn't have anybody there. Because he was just gone like I that. No, like, man. All of a sudden, he was playing bass and then gone. That's right. He did. Yeah. Never so. to be seen again. That's right. And he didn't even say goodbye. Come no. on. So I went over there one week, and then, then he was there the next week, and then he was gone. And so yeah. then I just filled in, and finally I was like, "Forget that guy. I'm taking you dudes over." Right? Yeah, because he was like, "Okay, and maybe we can hang out." And I'm like, "Okay, we'll do that." But then gone you gone yeah yeah well it all ended up good because i'm it's been fun i will say last year you guys were very squirrely you were pretty good yeah i tried we got some squirrely dudes in there but it was fun big change between sixth grade and seventh grade i'll say that for sure yeah definitely yeah all right that's good all right nick tell us a little bit about about yourself you've got kind of an interesting story so just tell us about your life let's hear it so i'm from south africa and i came here when I was seven years old and so I spent a couple years in a group home and when I came here it was kind of a new thing because I had never had winter before and winter was a new thing to me and so one of the most memorable things that I said was I was not built for this weather but it was in a cool South African accent so it didn't sound like this Um, and then I went to a charter school and it, like, most of the kids there were Caucasian, and I was the only, like, black kid. But the other kid that was not Caucasian, he was kind of mean to me, so I didn't really like him that much. So we, we, we talked about this off air, and I never thought of this over. I knew you are from South Africa, obviously, because I know you, but you had a cool accent. You said that. Yeah. And you were seven, and you lost it. Yeah, I lost it. It's gone. I hope you've got some recordings. I think we do, yeah. Okay. You need to keep those. I will. Definitely. So that might help you with the ladies down the road. I'm just saying. At some point, I'm gonna need it. Could be it. good. It could be good. So you had the accent. You lost it. You're 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 seven years old. You come from South Africa to the United States. And I I asked you earlier what your favorite football team was, and you said the Falcons. That's right, from Atlanta. And then you said. I like all Atlanta teams, and I was like, all right, what's up with that? So why do you like all Atlanta teams? That's important. Because when I first came here, uh, the first city that I landed in was Atlanta, and so now everything that is USA sports-related is always Atlanta for me. So you got a bond with Atlanta, which is cool. So the Braves. Braves. The Falcons. Falcons. 
What about the Hawks? You into basketball? Uh, I would stick with the Hawks, but that's pretty rough, man. Yeah. I'd, I'd let you slide if you don't stick with the Hawks. That's okay. Yeah, because it was hard enough with the Falcons. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that exactly. Super Bowl. Like, oh man, that was rough for you. Yeah, I mean, because I thought that we had it in the bag, man. That was rough for you. And it's just gone. Yeah, I'm, I I apologize. Thank you. I apologize if you're listening from Atlanta. I mean, they already feel bad as it is, but yeah. so it's kind of cool. You got this connection with Atlanta, mm-hmm. and arriving there, and then you go and you come up here to Michigan. You go through a Michigan winter. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty rough. That'll make a man out of you really quick. Yeah, right? very fast. You got into school, and you talked a little bit about yeah some of the issues that you dealt with. We were even talking earlier about how you and your family came to the church that we attend. Yeah, which is a pretty pretty diverse place. It's a I used to be on staff there. So, so tell us like what was it like kind of adjusting into a new culture, especially like seven years old, but even thinking like middle school and transition and and talk about what that experience was like for you. Um, so I think the whole culture part was a lot harder because I came from South Africa where it, it was very ordered and proper, whereas, like, we had uniforms. And so mm-hmm. there wasn't that much bullying. And when I came here, it was like people could wear whatever they wanted. People would use different words that I'd never heard before. And it mattered less about grades and more about looks and your appearance, which was new to me because mm. I had never had to deal with that before. Would you be in favor of school uniforms? Yes, I think I would be. Really? Yeah. Okay. The dress thing really can set you apart, right? It can make you feel ostracized. or. And, dude, I'm, I'm old school. I remember in seventh grade is when I really started thinking about all that stuff, and I bought my first pair of parachute pants. What are parachute pants? Well, they were like these pants that were like um, kind of slick. They were made of this slick material, kind of like a parachute, but they had zippers on them. That was like the Michael Jackson days. So parachute pants were a big deal. And I, my family that I was raising, we were, I would say, like lower middle class. I had the clothes that were, they were not happening. So but, the, <laughs> but when I got those pants, I thought I was... So you had the me. off-brand parachute pants? No, actually, you're laughing <laughs> at me. I actually had... I remember, you know, it's weird. I think I was seventh grade, and they were thirty bucks, which was a big deal back then. That was a lot of money, but they were no, they were the good. I don't even remember the brand; it probably doesn't exist. But they were the good brand, so back the good off, brand. Back off, okay? Nick. Yeah, not not the Adidas. knockoffs. It was good. Yeah, the four stripes. Is, yeah, <laughs> not quite, not quite. That's body does. See, I, yeah, you're good here. You're doing good. You might end up co-hosting with me and Jason here. This is good. All right. Now, I'm, this is kind of personal, but like. What was it like being adopted? Is that something that you struggled with? Is it is are you comfortable with it? Like how do you feel about that? It's not really a struggle, but the only time that it really ever comes into play is when people say, "Oh, you look a lot like your dad." And like, yeah, me and my dad look a lot alike cuz, you know, so much similarities. Yeah. We don't have any. Then when other people talk about their like family history, like, I don't know mine. Yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah. Well, what I notice about you just being around you every week is that you're kind of a guy that rolls with the punches. So I, I could see, it just seems like from my perspective, you kind of took that in stride. So now you're in middle school. Yeah. You're in the big leagues. The big leagues. And we're talking about you go to a pretty, pretty good-sized school. Pretty good. Let's talk about your school for a minute. And I want you to think. You might have to think here for a second. But let's talk about two or three unique things about your school that set it apart. What are some things that are just kind of different about your school? Can you think of something? 
Um, my middle school, we have a team assembly, and we kind of, like, we don't have a theme for the year. Like, I've, I've, like, heard of other schools have a theme for the year, where it's like, this year we will try to be kind, this year we'll try, like, we don't have that. We just have an acronym, team, and so you have to follow those, and if you don't, then you end up in this room called the SRC. Apparently, never been there before. One of the other things that we know about your school is that it is pretty ethnically diverse. It is very. Yep, and let's talk about that for a minute because you were, you know, we were talking about that in small group recently, and, and you, you, I think you were the one that actually kind of brought it up. We were just talking about different issues. Actually, we were talking about Claim Your Campus, and one yeah. of the issues was race. That's what came up. Yeah, well, it was Now it's all coming back. That's mm-hmm. right. There we go. So we're talking about that and how that's something to pray for. So talk about some of the different groups in the school. I mean, it, they might be tied to ethnicity. They might not. But what are some of the people groups that you see, like, in the school? So the, you really see those come out more in the cafeteria because, honestly, like, that's when like, everybody's friends get together. And so you typically have a table where it's, like, you have the people who are African American, and they have a big group. It's like a ton of kids, mm-hmm. and then kind of towards the middle, you have the Caucasian people. Like they have a a group, and then towards the front of the cafeteria, you have the people of Asian descent. And so, my table is super diverse. We have like we have everybody. So, okay, kind of like UN. Yeah, is Ethan in there with you? Ethan doesn't sit at my table because he has a different friend group, but we are friends at school. Right, okay. Yeah, and and Ethan having somewhat of a similar background, being adopted, being from, you know, another place in the world. Yeah. And you guys, you guys had differing opinions, which I thought was really interesting because one of the questions I ask you then, then I'll ask you now, is what group or groups do you fit in? And where do you land in the landscape of those groups at school? I would say that I'm pretty popular. <laughs> so I can see that. Because I have friends in almost every single group. Yep. And so I have friends in the people who are African American. I have and with the Caucasian people, with the people who are Asian. I have friends I have friends with all of those people. So for you, maybe some of the you're not feeling maybe as much as the tension as what you see. I mean, that that's the perception I've got. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. Because people who are African American at my school are more racist than the people who are not. Okay. So it's kind of the opposite way around. Okay. Like you wouldn't expect that, but you see it more. And so people who so whenever a person who is Caucasian, they don't let someone in who maybe like who may be African-American. It might not be because they are African-American, but it's because they don't like them because of something else. But they immediately assume that it's because of the color of their skin. When you say let them in, what's that mean? Like, let them into a project. Let them in with their friends into a conversation. Uh, They immediately assume that it's because they are black. And so it's like, whoa, like, that's not... Slow down there. Okay, okay. Yep, so you you see a lot of things. We talked about that a little bit in small group about just some of the things that you're seeing at your school. And we, what we ask in the small group was what are the things, highlights of things that you would pray for? You know, in Claim Your Campus, there's four strategies, grace, peace, justice, mercy. And in the peace area, 
which I think you highlighted as what you, we ask in our group, what's the strategy that you think needs prayer for the most? You chose peace, if I remember right. Is that right? Yeah, I did. And and you mentioned praying for racial equality. Yep. You said that yeah. was a big deal at your school. And you and Ethan had differing, a little bit of differing views on that. You have a, a group of people that you sit with, but you feel like you can connect with lots of other people groups in the school. Yeah. And, and especially in, like, different ethnic groups, like different ethnicities. If I were to leave my table and go to a different table, I could easily just plop down at any table, strike up a conversation, because I'm pretty sure that I would know anybody at that table. What do you think, how many other students, what percentage do you think are in your boat where they could do that? Not that many. Five, ten percent. Okay. So most people kind of stay in their groups. They don't really go out. Yeah. And you you did talk about the racial tension a little bit now and in our group as well. And that that's something you see as, as a need for prayer, right? Yeah, definitely. And I know this particular school system, they've got lots of uh, refugee people groups in there as well. One and of my friends is a refugee. I'm not sure where he's from, though, so. Yep. So I know that's that's big in our community with people from all over the world in one building, which is there's a lot of really good things, obviously, that brings challenges sometimes as well. We're talking about that. Let's talk about solutions because it came up where you guys were talking about how you see this as an issue. Let's talk about solutions to some of the differences at your school. What? How do you think the school could improve? How could the students improve? And how could the school try to create a, a better environment to make things smoother in that area? Um, I think that the students could improve because we talk a lot about being more inclusive, but we aren't actually that much inclusive. So if one student thought, hey, this has been going on for a while, maybe we could shake it up a little bit and did something out of the ordinary. And like I've tried to do that and like, and like sit with other people, like my table is a great example. But if other people tried to integrate with other people, then we would definitely be able to change that in our school. Because like on our basketball team, we have not that many Caucasian people and a lot of black people. Maybe our school could do a better job of like choosing people who would not be expected because not just because of their skin color, but because of actual skill and talent, not because people are like, hey, he should be this because he's this color. When you look across the landscape of the school, um, would you say, do you think most students, what would your guess be? If you are to survey your school and ask them, do you think race is a, is a big issue at our school? What percentage would you say, yeah, I think it's a major challenge? What would be your guess? 90% would, wow. would say that it's a major challenge because, like, people have, because people have, like, teamed up against other people. Right. If you say one thing out out of the ordinary. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. right. Okay, interesting. All right. Man, if, if you're telling me 9 out of 10 students say, yeah, it's a big deal here, is anybody standing up when they see things happening and, and speaking up about it? Or is most people just kind of watching and letting it happen? There was this one kid for the first time who pointed it out because there were people saying that a certain person was black on the outside but white on the inside because of the way that they acted. And so he said that that's kind of racist because you can't just... Because like there are white people who have gone through difficult things. 
and there are black people who have had an easier life. And so to just classify each thing as you are black because you've gone through this or you are white because you've gone through this, it, like it's not right. And so he pointed that out. Yeah. Yeah. What happened to him? Uh, nothing really happened to him because uh, he's a black belt in karate. So no one. <laughs> so you really don't mess with that kid. He can kind of say what he wants. So <laughs> what what context did he say this? Like in the cafeteria, casually? Did he? It was in. So before school starts, we are sitting like in the hallway, and so that's where it was. And a kid told another kid that he was this because of the way that he acted, and then the kid went and just told him. Okay. Interesting. Uh, imagine you had your entire school together and you had an assembly and you were the, you got to say whatever you want about this issue of race at your school and what you could do to improve it. What did, what would you say to your school about that? I'm curious. I would say you guys need to care less about what color of skin you are and more about like who you are as a person because just because you are black, white, whatever, doesn't mean that you can't be associated with another person. It doesn't mean that you can't have certain things to be considered white. It doesn't make any sense. Okay. What about adults? We talk about here on the podcast a lot of times that we've done a really bad job and what you guys, your generation from one to another is inherited from us and, and what we've done. And, you know, what we're doing here at Never the Same is we're trying to do the best we can to make a difference in lots of different areas. But what do you say to us as adults? How can we be better in this area? How can we help you? What can we do? Kids will do whatever their adults do. Like, even though it may be a do as I say and not as I do, we we will still do what you do. And so everybody move because like nobody wants to offend anybody so like everybody is always being cautious of that or black people are criminals or white or white cops are always racist like if we keep on seeing that and that being highlighted by like adults in the media then that's only what we that's what we will see and not what we will do to change because once it is ingrained in us that everything is a certain way and that we can't change it, then it won't change. But if we are able to take a step and put aside our differences, then we will be able to move forward. Yeah, that's a good point. Boy, you spoke well about that. You have a different background, different perspective, not being born in the United States. And and I think because of that... It, you have advantages and disadvantages, but you're able to, what I sense in you in our group is you're able to sometimes give a kind of an outside perspective on American culture and people your age. How do you think that's affected you? Because we talked earlier, like off air about um, how it's a mixture of culture and ethnicity, right? What, what How do you think that's affected you coming from a different culture? Um, coming from a different culture, like I... I had only heard of racism here because people have talked about it. And then comparing people in the U.S. to people who are in South Africa, like, from my experience in both places, like South Africa, I didn't experience any racism or people just assuming that one thing had to be one way because of what color you had been. 
Um, but here, it's like, I feel like people whine a lot more about things that don't really matter. And the and the things that do matter, we try to make a joke out of it. And so we, and so people in the U.S., they always take things to the nth degree. And so, like, racism here, in my opinion of it, I, like, I see it as a problem but I but I don't but I've never been directly affected by it and so and so knowing that I could be mistreated because I am one way like that doesn't make any sense to me like you don't know me as a person so you should be able to know me as a person before you can judge who I am instead of just seeing me on the street you see at school from what I've heard you talk about here and, and elsewhere you you see a lot of people being treated disrespectfully between people groups, right? Yeah. And when you when you look at your role in that, and I want to put on your put on your Jesus follower hat for a minute. All right, he's doing it literally here in the studio. So, what's that look like for you? Like, what do you think? Um, what do you think it means to be a, a Christian at your school in this area? When Jesus came to die for people, he never came to die for a certain type of people. He, he like, died for everybody. And so when people are saying that everybody has to be, like, one way, like, people, like, the pictures of, like, Jesus as a white dude, like, really? Because I think you need to think about what, like, it doesn't matter what color you're, Jesus is, but he needs to represent something that you can believe in and that everybody can like see, hey, this is what it actually is. Like like he didn't come just for white people. He didn't come just for black people. He and he didn't just come for Christians. He like came for everybody. And like if we are able to like realize that and not say that anybody is like better than, than anybody then like you just pointed out something very, very profound when you said, when you talked about how we, we tend to, to make God in our own image racially other ways. We look at it and we go, well, the, the classic picture of Jesus growing up for me was the white Jesus. And so it's like, well, we, we made God in, you know, in our image in that way instead of the other way around, that we're made in the image of God, not making God in our image. And what you just said, Nick, was so amazing because I think if we could just hear that as adults, just in general, and everyone to go, let's not look at what we want to see in God, but let's look at God for who he is, and then let's look at ourselves in light of that. Yeah. That's pretty deep, what you just said. It was good. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, because, <laughs> like, if we keep on assuming that Jesus has white skin, blue eyes, brown hair, then, th- and it's like you're going to compare everybody to what you see Jesus as. But realistically, that's not what he would have looked like. And it doesn't matter what he would have. Like, 30 years from now, people won't care like about like what you wore. Or, like, it's more about the legacy that you left behind. And with that, people... Like, in the Bible, it doesn't describe Jesus at all. It, it it never says he looked this way and he was this color because that's important because everybody who was like him they could only be like saved by him. 
they only cared about his actions and his effect on people around him. And so if we take that note from the Bible and see that it like, it never talks about his appearance. It talks about his actions. Yeah, so. good point. When you look at when you look at what you perceive adults understanding about your generation, do you think they understand some of these challenges? Do you think they really have a good grasp on it? Are they clueless or do they think it's worse? What do you think? I think adults may blow it out of proportion sometimes. We're like, oh, racism is so bad nowadays. No, it's it's only bad because you think it's bad and you and it's only unfixable because you say that it's unfixable. If you take time and you were to try to fix it, then it could probably be fixed. But if but if you just sit around on your couch and be like, Oh, the world is unfixable and like the problem is not gonna fix itself. The only way that racism will end is if we take time out of our day and out of our lives to notice a person who might be the minority and to help bring them up a little bit, then you will be then racism will start to decline and everybody will be more united. So when you look to the future in this area, are you hopeful? Do you think it can change? Do you does it seem overwhelming? The future is, I don't think it's overwhelming because I think that, well, me growing up in a diverse school, so I am used to being around people of different races and different religions and ethnicities, so it's not that big of a deal for me. So I think that it is not overwhelming at all and that if we, and I think that in the next, like, I don't know, 20 years, if we worked towards solving our, our problems and not just talking about them, then I think that we could make racism a like little problem. And I think eventually we can erase it from our history. So. Well, when you talk with students, Jason, you and I have mentioned this before, but it's sometimes we have these preconceived notions of what they believe. But sometimes you just have to sit down and hear what they have to say. I think when you respect their thoughts enough to ask those deeper questions, the harder questions, some of these questions that we discussed today, you you realize what they are thinking that is deeper than we may actually give them credit for. And that's what we're learning all the time. We're learning that when we talk with students, we're hearing firsthand their beliefs, their behaviors, the things that, that matter to them. And I, I'm just continually reminded by the research that we're doing in our ministries, but even being a small group leader, that I just want to ask and listen here where they're at. I think it's important. So I think our bottom line today is listen. Talk to students, hear what they have to say. And when it comes to the, the issue of race, I've been surprised. Those conversations for me, a lot of times I've had students say, That's, this issue is a really big deal. It's personal for me, and I've been surprised to hear that. And then I've heard the other end where some students have said, it's really not that big a deal for me, and I'm, I was surprised to hear that. And I think it just reminds me, we just need to listen. And this is not just an, an adult issue. It's not even just a high school issue. It is an issue for students even in middle school. And so are we willing to ask those tough questions and then take the time to listen so that we can learn from students regardless of age? 
The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, whose vision is to see new generations transformed in Christ to further the kingdom of God. Learn more at neverthesame.org. My name is Joe Melendrez. I'm from Los Angeles, California. Uh, I work at a Catholic high school as a religion teacher, youth minister. Um, I also am a Christian speaker and performing artist, and I love evangelizing in many different ways. Music is one, and I'm looking forward to sharing whatever God's called me to do at Claim Your Campus. You can follow me on Instagram, at Joe Melendrez, Twitter, everything, at Joe Melendrez, uh, and my website, joemelendrez.com, all music streaming on iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify. And prayer changed my life uh, at age 15 when I met Jesus. And I just can't wait for the moment when so many people will encounter God at Claim Your Campus 2020. So we've been talking each episode about this event coming up, Claim Your Campus 2020. We just, as we recorded this a few days ago, it's been a little bit, but we crossed the 500-day mark, which sounds like a long time away, and yet... There is momentum and a movement building behind what is going to happen on July 4th, 2020. As we gather together in the middle of the country on July 4th weekend to come before God with this generation and really commission and equip them to go to their schools and make a difference on their campus. So we're 500 days away from the event. What is something that is is pressing right now for anybody who might be listening that's going, I am interested. I just want more information. What's pressing when you you think of an event that's 500 days away? Yeah, I, this is a chance for this generation of students to gather together. You know, we live in really interesting times, and more and more, as it, it seems by the day sometimes, I hear things that that sometimes surprise, sometimes shock me about the state that our cultures in. And one of the things that concerns me the most is where students are at. I mean, the level of anxiety, the depression, the the suicide rates, of course, like we've been in our staff, we've been praying state by state through through each state. And uh, as we pray this week, we're in the week we're in the state of Arkansas. We've been praying for Arkansas. And um, but the level of violence, what's happening on school campuses is it seems to be a touch point for our culture and our nation. And the Parkland shootings last year really seemed to set off an awareness like I've never seen where people are understanding how, how important the campus is. It's really where the eyes of the nation have been in a lot of ways since then. And so why this event is important is because schools are strategic places of influence in the United States. There's a school in every community in America and so because of that, if, just imagine in your community, if you had students praying in a school in your community and that school were, were the culture were to be transformed by the power of students praying for change, what that would do to impact the lives of the students, the community, the parents, even ministries and churches around the area. And I... And what we've seen over and over is the power of student prayer is changing schools. So this event that we're putting on and we're hosting with many other ministries that are gathered together with us for this cause can, can ignite communities around the country. And our strategy for Claim Your Campus 
is to have a student-led prayer group at every middle and high school in America, 67,000 schools. If we had 15 students praying weekly at each of those schools, we'd have over a million students gathering in prayer. That's the kind of change we're talking about that this event could ignite. Any community that's affected by suicide, any community that's affected by uh, violence, gun violence, by bullying, online bullying, or even physical bullying, there is this urgency. When you are a family that has a child in school that's being affected by this, all of a sudden the urgency meter increases and you go, I want to see change. I want to see something happen in this area, this issue that that shouldn't be a part of schools. And so that urgency needs to be translated into what can happen. And, and we believe that this event is not a solution to all those issues, but it's a solution to the heart issue of this country is it's getting us back to what what we are intended to do and and seek God in prayer and go, God, we want you to bring change in our communities, our families, our our lives. And that means in our schools. This event is like you said, it's not it's not the end all solution to everything, but it is an opportunity for us as adults to help usher in a new generation of students that understand how to pray and know what it means to follow Christ on their campus and in some of the tough places. And like you said, Jason, our culture right now is really broken. I mean, I think so much of it goes back to what we have adults, what we've handed over to these students through the lives that we live, through the families that we um, created that are broken, and we need to take responsibility for that, but then we need to to pray that God could use this generation to to ignite a fire in all of us. I think students have so much influence within them, and I know as a student, I didn't really understand that, but now that I look back, when, when guys in my small group challenge me, I, I follow them because because they're young, because they're passionate, because they just have a winsomeness, they have a favor, and and that's true with this generation. And so adults listening to this, join us in this movement. We're looking for 10,000 adults that would become an advocate for a school in their community. And being an advocate means praying for that school. It means registering that school for, for Claim Your Campus 2020 for the event, and then inviting other people to get involved, other adults you know and students. And we want to provide this as a rallying point for our nation, for students, and for schools where we can make a difference. So there's more information at ClaimYourCampus2020.com. You can go there to find out more. You can also go on Facebook, and there's a Claim Your Campus Advocates group. It's called Claim Your Campus Advocates on Facebook. Join that to stay in the loop more about what's happening, what you can do to make a difference in a school, and be a part of what we believe will be a historic event on July 4th weekend, 2020.